everybody. Welcome to the Rush Hour podcast. It's hosted by myself, Amit Kamal, and Gay Park. We're back at it again. Gay NBA season's right around the corner, man. How are you feeling? Uh, excited, man. I mean, it's usually we would be playing, you know, into the third or fourth week of the new NBA regular season, but because of how 2020 went, uh, you know, we have to wait another month and maybe a, you know five more weeks before. Uh, we get to see the, the players back in the court. Yeah, it just feels that this off season has been flying by like nothing. Is it me or is just is it just? Do you have a sense that when we match our day to day calendars to the NBA calendar, we feel like time goes either slow or fast? How how does that feel for you? Yeah, you know, just being huge uh, ball fans, it's like you know, there's a certain void. So either you know, if you're able to fill it with something else, uh, then you know, great. But if not, then you know, definitely feels like usually at night, like you know, those those games would be a good like two, three, four hours of entertainment. Um, but you'd have to find another way. Otherwise, time feels like you know it's moving slower than usual. Yeah, exactly. So the NBA and NBA Players Association came to an agreement uh, as of earlier this week that the NBA has made a set date for December 22nd for games to start. Mainly due to they don't want to lose any revenue for Christmas. Uh, they scrapped the idea of playing in January completely, mainly because they could lose revenue up to $500 million. And some even say it could be an actual billion if they start on uh, Martin Luther King Day, which is uh, January the 18th. Uh, this is pretty breaking right. news. Yeah, and uh, uh, so it looks like we have NBA around the corner, man. Uh, we're just days away. Uh, LeBron James actually reacted to this immediately uh, right after Danny Green uh, took to his podcast that he, he first said that most Laker players aren't going to actually come back in December. But then as soon as things became official, he actually backed down on that and he said that he's going to be ready to go. But just looking at <laughs> just looking at a player like LeBron James, who's this is crazy to say, but he's in his 18th season of his uh, NBA career, and uh, this is going to be historically the shortest off season uh, in NBA history. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? And do you think that veteran players like LeBron, Jimmy Butler, players that actually played in the 2020 NBA Finals, which was literally less than two months ago? Uh, are they going to be ready for this December 22nd date? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think a lot of people are taking into account or not thinking about the fact that a lot of these players had like, you know, additional three, four, five months off exactly. of a break before the regular season presumed. So a lot of these players, especially the younger players, technically, if you ask some of them, um, like if you ask Jason Tatum or if you ask John Morant, these guys have uh, been on public um, sports shows on saying that, you know what, when asked the question that did it feel like, you know what, you're continuing your, your rookie season or your second season or your third season to NBA, or did it feel like you got like, you know, a fair amount of time off and it feels like you, you started a new season. And a lot of those guys were saying that, you know what, it felt like I'm coming into my second year. I'm coming into another year exactly, because yeah. that break in time was, was significant. Exactly, so these yeah. guys like, they should be more than ready to come back. I mean, my biggest thing is like, yeah, LeBron James, like he's 35 right now, but he's going to be 36 before the year's end. The guy has a late birthday. So technically he'll be 36 playing in his 18th, in his 18th uh, season, season in the NBA. Yeah. 
and That's the thing remarkable. is though it is remarkable like he's probably the definition of iron man but you know for me i think because of the de dedication that he has to his body and spending you know one or two million dollars every year on maintaining uh you know his overall conditioning he should be more than ready especially you know if uh, if he gets a good enough team that can be you know classified as a serious contender again because he knows that see lebron i think he his, his biggest thing is like he's all about legacy now he's not about stats or he's not about you know popularity he's about leaving a legacy behind because that's that's what the goat discuss the, the goat discussion is all about and that's what he that's all that's probably the only thing that this guy cares about at this moment because he's already done everything else he's already won mvp he's won rings he's been you know probably an all-star for every year that he's been in the nba like uh so I for know, me uh, i know skip skibilis likes to toss around that michael jordan played 82 games for 10 years and LeBron and this generation is soft and they want to load manage. Uh, it just, just shows to you that th this new generation is taking, taking their health to a whole nother level. Uh, but just, just to go further on uh, the shortest NBA history in all time, it's actually the shortest, it's, sh it's going to be the shortest off season in all five major sports considering in North America. So NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL. So out of the four shortest off seasons out of all those organizations, sports organizations, and the NHL has the record for 104 days off twice, which is 99 to 2000 and then 95 to 96. And then the, the next shortest one is going to be the NHL also, the 2012 to 2013 season. And then this, it's going to be this NBA season, which is 71 days just shows you that huge difference it's actually ridiculous uh but the players have to the players actually made a decision and uh, they don't want to miss out on that revenue they're trying to get all their paychecks cashed in on time and uh, if lebron wants to rest for the first day then he has the right to do that if he wants to but yeah and i'm, and I'm sure it's not and i'm sure that these I'm sure these teams, you know, they're going to they're going to make sure that they take into the new uh the the new season regular season schedule into account for like practice, uh, you know, film sessions and so on and so forth so that these guys are not, you know, completely exhausted by um uh, the regular season game schedule, uh, you know, if regardless if they have many back-to-back -back nights or three games in four nights or four games in five nights, um, you know, those are probably bound to happen, but Again, these are things that's, uh, you know, been existence before, but, you know, given the fact that today, a lot of things are in uh, advanced stages compared to, you know, NBA in 2000 or NBA in the 90s or the 80s, you know, with technology, science, and medicine, um, and treatment, I'm sure that a lot of these players, they might not be fans of it, but... I think once they get back into the flow of things, they'll be happier playing ball rather than sitting at home and not not playing the sport yeah. that they love to do and love to get paid for. Yeah, and like we mentioned earlier, it's just that specific, uh, the, specifically the players that were in the bubble that spent the longest time. So I believe most of the players should be ready to go and uh, there's no excuses. I think the only main excuse that they're yeah, I mean, concerned about is just the pandemic that's been going on. Uh, so the, the, the league has been talking about, are they going to have fans back? Are they gonna have twenty percent of fans back, twenty five percent of fans back? Uh, I guess it all depends on uh, wherever that NBA city is and what what the state uh, allows for, and they'll work like, closely with the NBA. 
like we're talking about like LeBron, but like there's a lot of big other big names that if you were to ask them like, yo, you guys ready to start December 22nd? They'll be like, hell yeah. Like if you ask like KD, you ask like John Wall, Trey Young, Steph, Clay Thompson, like all these other big names, like they're ready to go because they had that extra time off. It's just like you're saying, like guys who's played deep into the uh, uh, the months of September and October with the playoffs, uh, you know, specifically the Lakers and other teams who's made it to at least conference finals that may feel that added toll of, of fatigue. But at the same time, I mean, this is what you get paid to do, right? I mean, these guys, a lot of those guys, you play two games and you get a million dollars. Like, I don't know what other job that's out there where you show up for your shift two times and you get paid a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then just to build off on on this new NBA date, uh, so the NBA actually already took steps further to uh, react to how how they're going to proceed with uh, NBA fans. So they sent a a protocol to all NBA teams uh, yesterday, and uh, it's just pretty much a memo to all 30 teams 30 teams that have that would like to have fans back. And uh, so one of the protocol requirements says that. So fans could be have to be within 30 feet of the court to register. Oh, and they also have to do rapid testing and they have to register negative two days prior to the game. And the rapid testing has to be valid in order for them to get tickets. So it just, it just goes to show you that the NBA is really... And I guess the NBA, for the NBA, it's, it's, it's a lot harder than uh, for NFL, for example, where players play outdoor. Uh, this one's it's, it's a lot more complicated because they play indoor. And uh, I also read here that they planning on having fans uh, on the court as well. So court size seats are going to be back, but obviously, you know, it's going to be 30 feet away. Uh, so that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. And I think NBA for sure, they're trying to do like what the, uh, the MLB and the NFL have, have done recently, where they at least have some fans there rather than no fans. Right. I mean, I know the NBA, they tried the whole virtual fan experience uh, with the bubble, but, you know, that's not the same as having actual fans, um, you know, actual fans cheering and booing uh, to have the effect on the players and the team, as well as money. You know, I'm sure a lot of people will pay more money to be uh, in person watching it live than, you know, like you're at home uh, watching it and just having your face shown on another tv like, i understand yeah, I like mean, some people like some people didn't mind that but it's, it's not the same you know at the end of the day like you're still at home you're not live in the arena watching them right so i think it's a win-win for both the fans and the nba yeah there's definitely a huge difference than being on a on a random screen in in a bubble waving and lagging all over the place than being on the actual <laughs> court <laughs> so that's going to be quite interesting uh, but do you think tickets will be more expensive than usual? Or are they going to be quite the same? Or are they going to be a lot cheaper? Mainly because, you know, it's been an, it's a pandemic and whatnot. How do you think that's going to affect think, ticket pricing? I think um, it'll depend on where the seats are. I think course size seats will still be ra- uh, relatively expensive. Um, but if, let's say, like, you're, you know, you're in the nosebleeds and like you say, you know, you're, you can literally touch the ceiling. Yeah. I think those those seats will probably be cheaper than they are usually. But uh, for, I think the closer you are to the court, it may still be either, I think the prices will either be uh, almost the same as they were before the pandemic, or they might be a little cheaper. But for seats that are like courtside or close to courtside, I think they'll still be relatively expensive. I see, 
Uh, I believe so too. Uh, especially you know, just based off uh, how the how the players played in the bubble, the level of competitiveness was beyond what everyone's expectations. So I think those courtside seats are going to be quite the money grab, and uh, people are going to actually pay that pay that to to see the quality that they saw in the NBA bubble. But uh, just to continue off of the NBA start date. So the set date is December 22nd. Obviously, main goal was not to miss Christmas. Uh, there's going to be a, a huge lineup for Christmas games. But uh, so as a result of all this, uh, NBA free agency is now going to be November 20th at 6 p.m. And uh, but all signings won't take place up until the new uh, afternoon of November 22nd, which leaves the NBA draft to be on the 18th. So essentially, negotiations could start on the 20th, but no signings will be till the 22nd, which is uh, two days later. Uh, so that gives all the NBA teams uh, quite quite some time to actually analyze their roster up until December 22nd uh, when the free agency is going to start. But just to bounce back off of uh, the Lakers and their championship run in 2020, or, we should, or, or, or NBA bubble championships, as we call it, uh, Anthony Davis, so he joined the Los Angeles Lakers off a huge blockbuster trade from the New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, he just opted out of his, uh, or he's planning on opting out of his player option. Uh, but what do you see for AD with the Los Angeles Lakers, and do you think that he's actually with LeBron, and he's going to be there for the long haul up until LeBron retires, going to pick up a couple rings with him, or is he going to pull, is he going to pull something like, is he going to? Leave them high and dry, as you know, as KD or Kawhi did for the Raptors. <laughs> uh, what do you think AD is going to do? Yeah, so I think AD uh, will stick around in a Lakers uniform as long as LeBron is. Um, so I'm not sure if Le- if AD will like for sure he's coming back for another season. Like the, like for sure he'll be in a Lakers uniform for the full season that's going to start on uh, December 22nd. That's that's no question about that. But in terms of his actual contract structure. Um, I think he could do things like what LeBron did in the past, which is either like a one and one where he signs fully guaranteed uh, with the season, with the with the organization for one year, and then he has a player option the next year. Um, I think LeBron and AD, because they share the same agent and they obviously are really close now, they probably had conversations regarding the timeline of what moves that they maybe want to make in terms of either staying with the Lakers organization or maybe joining forces on another team, but because it is the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, because it is Los Angeles and because it is the Lakers, like it's, it's it is, you know, Malibu, Santa Monica. Hot yeah. Like, like, That's I don't think that they, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're going to leave. I, I, I honestly think both LeBron and AD will remain a Laker uh, at least until LeBron retires. I, I don't, I honestly can't see LeBron in another uniform because now that he's in Lakers, uh, he's with the Lakers, he's won the chip, he has Laker Nation behind him, he knows what California is like. I, I can't see that. Like AD, obviously next season he'll return, but in terms of how long he'll be there, I would think that he'll either sign a short, like maybe a one and one, and one or maybe a one and uh, two and one, or he'll sign the, the, the max that he can qualify for. So that's what I end up seeing, but I definitely don't see him even thinking about another team right now. I think out of those two options that you laid down, I think he'll 
possibly go with a two and one or a one and one. Uh, me seeing AD sign for the max four year, whatever, how many millions that is, I think those are slightly narrow chances, mainly because we don't know what the Lakers are going to do after LeBron's contract ends. So LeBron has one year left uh, this upcoming season, plus a player option in the 2022nd season for $41 million. So my question is, do you think LeBron's going to pick up that player option of $41 million, or is he going to opt out of it and try to rene- renegotiate a bigger contract toward his uh, twilight twilight seasons <laughs> as soon as you know he's touching those those 40 those 40 ranges and uh waiting for his son Bronny to get drafted what do you think lebron's going to do yeah so i think lebron is probably the only player ever to play 40 not only that base. yeah not only that but like actually have the the leverage at this point of his career like Especially you can't really say that championship yeah yeah, you can't really say anyone else who's playing into their 18th 18th season and they're 36 they're going to be 36 years of old uh, age and having superior leverage on getting whatever contract that he or she desires. Like LeBron, it, it would it would honestly not be a bad decision if he picks up that player option, but because he does want to play longer, um I think he definitely will probably look for an extension or a renegotiated deal because I think one thing that he's not uh, said in public, but he probably is thinking about it a lot, is he wants to play in the league for, I think, a minimum of 20 years. So he has 18 years starting December 22nd, but I think he wants to play a minimum of 20. One of the reasons why is because uh, there's only been so many players who've played that long. Like, I think Kobe and, like, Vince are, like, maybe the only two... Like, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I can't can't really think of too many other people who played 20 seasons uh, in the NBA and still matter. I honestly think he has a bigger goal than just 20. I think he wants to catch uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, being the the highest leading scorer. Uh, The chances for that, I'm not quite sure what they are, but it's going to be tough, especially with, you know, the short season that happened last season as well as this upcoming season. Hey, man, they're playing 72 games next season, but those are a lot of games, man. LeBron could pick up a few points and catch up with uh, Kareem. Yeah, so, I mean, currently, I think LeBron's, like, third all-time, and he still has, like, a little over 4,000 points to catch uh, Kareem. And so, I mean, if we do the simple math, typically, if you, uh, you know, average, let's say, 25 points a game, over 82 games, but he's not going to play the full 82. So let's say he plays like 75. So if you average 25 points for 75, then that's close to like 1,900 points. So if you do 1,900 points over four uh, over four years, let's just say four years, and mind then that would beat him. That him would beat him. So with him being healthy. With him being healthy. So, but for sure, no matter what, LeBron would need to play three more years uh, to, to surpass uh, Kareem. If he plays just two more years, and that's two including this season, he would, he would have to average close to 30 points or more uh, and play almost every game to have a chance on overtaking Kareem. But if he plays three seasons, he's almost guaranteed like 99% to have that record all to himself. Yeah, I see. Uh, so sticking with NBA free agency, but 
specifically with the Lakers. Uh, Avery Bradley, a player that opted not to join the Lakers uh, in the bubble. Uh, on paper, he technically is an NBA champion, but we're not quite sure what the Lakers teammates' uh, reaction to Avery Bradley not being there. Uh, so Danny Green, on his podcast, Inside the Green Room, he mentioned to his cohort, uh, co-host that players like DeMarcus Cousins that got waved off the team and Troy Daniels that got cut off the team to to try to get another team, that they, two, the both of them, deserve to receive a ring with the Lakers. But he didn't mention Avery Bradley at all. Well, do you think that Lakers players are kind of salty that Avery Bradley didn't uh, didn't join them in the bubble, or or what's going on here? Is this a some loss? Nah, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't. Yeah, I think it's just uh, just minor drama. I don't, I don't think the players, uh, the other uh, Laker players who were actually there in the bubble, are holding grudges against Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley had a very valid reason, you know, with his family and his son having that, uh, you know, c- condition where you know it it would it would have been a high risk to go to the bubble in case like there would have been a, there, in case there would have been a potential breakout um, an outbreak. But although, you know, there's been zero cases, you know, in the bubble, which was phenomenal, um, you know, just Avery Bradley didn't want to take that risk. And the fact that, you know, he didn't know exactly when his family can join him. Uh, because if you remember, like, I don't think that the NBA allowed, uh, you know, personal uh, confidants or family for like the first few weeks. So I think that's just a risk that Avery Bradley didn't want to take. And I think a lot of the other players respected that. I mean, they still got the job done without him. So kudos to the Lakers. Uh, but that's because, you know, other players like KCP and Rondo stepped up big. But no, I think the Lakers knew, like, if they had, uh, you know, no pandemic and it was just a, another regular season that Avery Bradley would have played uh, as many games that they needed him to. So is this a coincidence that Avery Bradley as of today actually he he's signing with a new agent uh, with Charles uh, Briscoe and uh, he's in the position right now to evaluate whether he's gonna pick up his five million player option or he's gonna decline it and enter free agency Uh, do you think that his value is gonna rise with not being in the bubble or or is it just gonna be the same or should he just stick to the five million and and become a Laker for this upcoming season to try to raise his value it's it's honestly uh it'll be up to him because he's in a great situation where they just won the chip and he could play a pivotal role in the in the repeat uh campaign but you know it's up to him if he wants more money he could probably get more money but he's looking at maybe another one two three four five extra million at the most like this guy's not you know at 15 20 mil 25 30 mil type player uh he never was that but he can get a little bit more money into it, like a, a team that's maybe not as strong and as together and as proven as the Lakers are. But again, you know, would you want to leave LA and go to a team like Charlotte uh, or go to like the Knicks and, you know, maybe get, you know, 3 million, 4 million more, play a little bit more minutes, but then you're not playing for anything, right? So it's essentially, you know, what does Avery Bradley want to play for? My personal advice, if I if I ever knew the guy, would be for one more year, just stick with the Lakers. Like it, because it, it won't hurt his value. If anything, it'll raise his value. Like you won't ever lose value because you're playing, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game with the Lakers, but they're winning, 
And when they need you to play down the stretch, you're playing down the stretch and you're playing well. You get key defensive stops. A lot of teams are going to value that. So, you know, like that's, I, I think it's, you don't lose if you stay with the Lakers. Correct. Yeah. I mean, playing with the Los Angeles Lakers, it's a win-win, honestly. Like there's a lot of players in this league that could possibly take, take a pay cut to even get a historical run with LeBron James, AD, and just the Los Angeles Lakers in general. Uh, but not to shy away from the Lakers, but this is probably our last Lakers topic for today. Uh, so Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer Network uh, reported that the Lakers are actually interested in trading Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma for DeMar DeRozan. Your buddy DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> the three-point assassin. The three-point brick layer. What's your thoughts on that? Is that good for the Lakers? Is that good for the Spurs? Is that good for DeMar? You know, DeMar got cut by the Raptors by, uh, you know, the legendary Masai Ujiri. He pulled the trigger. He told him, hey, boy, you got to get out of here, you know? And uh, what, what, what do you think the Lakers, should the Lakers pull this move, especially after how Danny Green appeared towards that uh, NBA bubble stretch? Yeah, so I'm going to look at it from the, I'm going to look Actually, at it from the first perspective. Let me, let, let me give my thoughts on this first, because I know you're not okay. a huge DeMar uh, DeMar guy, I already know the answer, but <laughs> personally, do you remember, I believe, before before LeBron signed with the Lakers, there were rumors that before DeMar signed his uh, his contract extension with, with the Raptors, there were, the Lakers were actually front runners to signing him. So it looks like they're always having, you know, ties with his, uh, with DeMar DeRozan. And uh, I personally think that it's a good deal for DeMar to go with the, with the Lakers. But DeMar has to keep in mind that he's not going to get... I don't think the Lakers are going to pay him as much as any other team like a, like a Charlotte Hornets could, could, could pay him. He, there is going to be a significant pay cut if he joins the Lakers, especially because, you know, LeBron wants to get shooters around him. And DeMar ain't no goddamn shooter. You know that. <laughs> so I think it's a good trade for the Lakers. It's a good deal for uh, DeMar, but DeMar's going to have to ex- accept that pay cut. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I mean, I'll look at it from the Lakers, uh, the Lakers perspective, the Spurs perspective, as well as the, uh, the, the Rosen's uh, perspective. So if we start with the Spurs, the only reason why that they'll do this is because it hasn't worked out to what they would expect, uh, meaning that they, they would feel or they would have felt that the Rosen fell short of their expectations on uh, how he could maybe propel the Spurs uh, into the playoffs and maybe making a, a little bit of a run, obviously not being a serious title contender, but at least giving him a little juice, but that didn't happen. But, but in DeMar's uh, case, we got to, we got to take into consideration that LaMarcus Aldridge was uh, injured. So it wasn't entirely the, I don't think DeMar, DeMar deserves the entire blame. No, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve the entire blame, but like, it's just, even when they were healthy, that's the thing. Like, even when they were healthy, like, they, would we ever classify the Spurs as a top four team in the West? Probably not. Right? Probably not. So, and for me, um, and the thing is with the Spurs, they would want to do this because they probably want to shed his salary. Right? If, if they're, they, they're one of these teams always that um, they would rather have a lot of, like, maybe uh, low-value players in terms of what they're making on, uh, on their salary uh, payroll uh versus like a, a few guys that are earning big bucks right so and DeRozan is not really a guy that should be earning the biggest of dollars because the biggest of dollars are, are supposed to go to the league's best players or the superstars of the game 
And he's not really any of those. I mean, he is an all-star, but he's not, we can't put him in the same plateau uh, or the same level with like LeBron, KD, AD, a lot of these other guys. So that's why the Spurs would do it. The Lakers would do it because they know that DeMar will probably try to play better than he's done, uh, you know, recently with the Spurs because A, he's back home, he's in Cali, uh, he's representing the Lakers, he's playing with, you know, two of the top five best players on the planet. He wants to win, he knows he has a chance to win, and I'm sure guys like LeBron and AD will be able to get through to him and say like, yo, if we need you to start shooting more threes, you're going to shoot a lot more threes. Uh, if not, like, we're going to get you out of here or, like, we're going to damage the F out of your name. Like, you came here for a reason. We wanted you here for a reason. Let's make this work. And I'm sure if that's the case, like, DeMar will probably adapt and we'll probably see an increase in his uh, three-point attempts. Um, so that's why the Lakers uh, would do it. Especially with Jason Kidd on their uh, coaching staff roster. Uh, he, he's, yeah. a player, he's a player that started off in the league not shooting threes, and uh, he ended up being a, uh, you know, an average or above average shooter. He yeah, could, he, he, could help him out. he could for sure help him out because Jason Kidd, uh, for the majority of his career, especially like during his prime years, like he was maybe a walking triple-double, but like he was known to play, make, and uh, facilitate the offense and get a lot of, uh, you know, their, their players involved and um you know, have a high efficient offense uh, scheme and game plan uh, night in and night out. But towards the end of his career, especially when he won his championship uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, he wasn't that same guy. So a lot of these older players um, like Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, a lot of the other guys, they stuck around in the league by maintaining value of the fact that they're a veteran and the fact that they could defend somewhat. And most importantly, they could make threes. Right. So Jason Kidd, I think he's like top five and threes made like uh, in the in the history and NBA history, which is huge for a guy that wasn't known as a shooter. So, yeah, for sure. He could help. Uh, he could help out DeMar. And so for me, for DeMar's perspective, this would be, you know, I would say his last chance on making the league uh, reexamine his overall value for teams that maybe be looking for a star. Like this is his last showcase if he were to join the, the, the Lakers. If he fails, I think a lot of other teams will pass on him uh, in terms of offering him anything more than 20 million a year. Like I don't think he'll ever touch that type of money if he doesn't show up and play yeah, not, well with the Lakers. Not at this point in his career. Uh, I think he got his money. And uh, I'm not sure if, if any team is going to – any contending team is going to invest in DeMar that much. Yeah, so I think – but for me – uh, in terms of fit, the only way that this will work is uh, if DeMar promise and he will actually show that he will make and take, you know, take and make a lot more threes and a lot more jumpers, uh, you know, on the perimeter, because that's what LeBron and AD needs. Like, they, they already dominate the post, like, and they're better post players than yeah. DeMar. They need so, that spacing down there, yeah. So that's, 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 that's my take on the whole DeMar to the Lakers possibility. All right, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to happen within this uh, upcoming week. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, I'm actually excited for DeMar, and uh, I, I, I hope this I hope, I hope this happens. But uh, just moving on to more crazy NBA trade rumors. Uh, so Westbrook reported, well, actually not Westbrook, uh, but Shams Karnia of The Athletic reported that Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. That's 
that's that's pretty mind-blowing if you ask me uh you know so westbrook landed in houston off of that uh chris paul trade and uh the whole nba was saying oh westbrook is uh reuniting with his la homeboy these guys whatever grew up together this and that and uh it looks like James Harden and Wes Westbrook aren't getting along. Westbrook clearly wants to be the main ball handler, even though he just turned 32 as of uh, yesterday. Uh, what do you think Westbrook, or actually why Westbrook did that? And uh, where do you think that the Rockets could potentially trade Russ Westbrook? Yeah, so clearly, you know, it was uh, an all-in move that the Rockets did this past season, you know, trading away Clint Capella to the Hawks, and bringing in Westbrook and playing literally micro ball, um, you know, with their, with their, what would be like a small forward in most other teams, traditional teams, Robert Covington doing jump ball every game. Like that's, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's not your, your traditional, uh, you know, team structure, but they went away from it because they thought it would work and it could potentially uh, win games and maybe make a deep run into the playoffs but they fell short. And this is a reoccurring thing uh, with the Houston Rockets where every year we know that they're going to win a bunch of games the regular season. They're going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to make it far. And because of that, you know, I think there's this stigma and there's this uh, unfriendly, like bad odor scent about the, the Rockets organization, especially with James Harden that, you know what, they're just a good regular season team. They're not, they not going to do anything in the playoffs. Uh, it's kind of like the Phoenix Suns of like the 2000s with Steve Nash and Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire and those guys. You know, they they fun to watch. Uh, they fast pace. They're going to win a bunch of games regular season and the playoffs, man, they're not doing anything. So Harden, I think he knows that, you know, he's not getting any younger and he can't play at this high level forever. So he realizes that, his window is closing and so just to, with, with, just to build off of, on that uh so are you saying that james harden was the main decision the main reason why it led westbrook to, to take that decision or or it's it was a mutual decision i believe uh it was either a mutual decision that they part ways or i think westbrook wanted to leave more because of harden so as much as they they may be, you know, friends in real life, they've known each other for a long time, this and that, on the court, you know, it's a it's different just, ball game. Yeah. It's a different ball game. So th that's why for me, I think Westbrook wanting to move on and get traded from the Rockets to somewhere else is a sign that maybe, you know, Harden is the problem. Um, because if you look at it, he's had great he's had other great players. Like he's, he's had Dwight Howard who was able to still produce uh, in a Rockets uniform. He's, he's had, uh, and he still has, you know, Eric Gordon. He's, he ha he's had Chris Paul and now he's had Russell Westbrook. And it's like, you know, there's, there's no real playoff success to show for it. You know, there's, there's still no conference finals. There's still, there's still no NBA finals then there's no championship obviously because you never even got past the conference finals so for me i think like what i've been hearing recently is that the rockets if i were the rockets i'd just blow that up i'd, I'd blow it up and be like okay let's uh, build for, 
I, I would build something for the future because you know what, like what we tried, we tried for many years and it hasn't worked out. So why not try to build something better for the future? And that's going to save us a lot of money in so the long saying, run. So right? you're, saying, so you're saying trade Westbrook and get rid of Harden as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because, because my actually, thing is, that was actually my follow-up question because uh, Kendrick Perkins, who's a, a Houston native, uh, he, he said on first take today that, you know what, Brody wants out. You know what, Mike D'Antoni quit before he got fired, and he joined the the Brooklyn Nets to be a a right hand man for Steve Nash. At this point, even Mike D'Antoni saw that there's no hope for this franchise. So Kendrick Perkins was like, you know what, blow it all up, blow it all up, man. Get rid of Harden, get rid of Westbrook, try to get as much value in trade assets, and uh, sorry, trade picks for the future, and just start from scratch. They already got yeah, a new because, GM in there. Yeah, because and, and a new coach. And the thing is, like, you yeah. have to start thinking for your organization, then thinking about your players and James Harden and, and Westbrook. Like, you at the end of the day, like, you're a business. You have to make sure you're going to be running a good business, you know, foreseeable future and hopefully for the long term for you to be successful. And right now, you know, there's really nothing in the next few years that we could say, oh, the Rockets are going to win a chip or the Rockets are going to have great young players that they're going to develop into all-stars. We can't say any of those things about the Rockets, meaning that they're not a successfully run team right now. So that's why I would think that, you know what, Westbrook wanting out is a sign that that system is not going to work forever. And that system is not going to work for them to win a chip. And with Westbrook, I think Westbrook should join a team where he's going to be a second best player, maybe a potentially third best player, but he cannot be the primary uh, best player on a team. Not to cut you off, but I don't think that any of the players, any organizations that Westbrook is going to be the best are actually going to, is are going to make offers for him. Yeah, Um, no, you're right. You're right. So if Westbrook does get traded, I honestly see him going to teams like the Charlotte Hornets. They could send a package. Uh, The New York Knicks could send a package. I just don't see any of the contending teams making that decision, investing in Westbrook, especially because he's he has one of the like one of the worst contracts this season. He's owed forty one million uh, this upcoming season, forty four million the the season after, and forty seven million in two thousand twenty three, when he's going to be thirty four years old. Yeah, so I mean, to me, he would have to go to a team that is relevant or uh, proven, but has that salary space available or can make a trade work. So potentially, and just, you know, just potentially, it could be a team like... Um, Detroit? Nah, I don't see Detroit, but I would say may, maybe, maybe just, you know, just speculating, maybe Philadelphia, right? Maybe Philadelphia. Because uh, we we know that the Simmons and Bede experiment hasn't really worked out the last few years, uh, you know. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with injury, and a lot of that has to do with team structure. But so you're saying the we, Sixers could have two injury injury prone guys on their squad if they if they decide to go with Westbrook? No, I think well, but again, it it, it but the thing is like a, maybe a change in scenery is all that these players need, right? Like that's. We've seen that happen with a lot of uh, recent players, like let's say with Jimmy Butler going from Minnesota to Miami. Look what happened. 
we've seen Victor Oladipo, uh, you know, joining Indiana and look what happened when he joined Indiana. We've seen what happened when James Harden left OKC to go to Houston. Maybe sometimes all it, all it needs for them is just to be in a different environment, be with a different team. And we'll, you know, we can see what, what it does to them until that, until then, then we don't know. But I think, yeah, Westbrook wanting to get out. Yeah. He, he should go out and maybe join the team that, you know, it can also contend, but, you know, he'll be second fiddle and, you know, hopefully he'll be able to contribute in a big way. Rockets, I would say, yeah, find some, some place that would take Harden and you could, you could get a lot of uh, assets back and rebuild. Uh, and Harden, I would say that he, hopefully he also joins a, a relevant team or a contending team because both those guys, former MVPs, I would say not former, but still right now, they're probably, you know, superstars of the game that could still get it done. It's just, you know, they... They just haven't found the right match I can't, uh, to, I can't, to win big. I can't remember the last NBA team that released two superstars, which are more or less in or towards the end of their prime in one in the same season. My nearest yeah, memory is probably the Boston Celtics when they got rid of uh, Paul Pierce and uh, Kevin Garnett. KG. Yeah, yeah. And, and you saw what the return for that was. The Brooklyn Nets got destroyed for years after that. Till this day, I yeah. Till this day, Jason Jason Tatum was was one of the draft picks from the Paul, that Paul Pierce trade. Like it's actually ridiculous. So yeah, do you, do you think uh, do you think a team could? But that's the thing. There's no team that's gonna offer them both because they clearly don't want to play together. So it's, it's gonna have to be either a three way team deal, or or two separate teams completely. Which is going to be insane, uh, especially if if Harden decides to to leave, or or the Houston makes the decision for him. Yeah, but I'm 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 gonna almost uh, be so confident in that Westbrook's gonna be wearing a different uniform when we start oh, the yeah. regular season. That's that's for sure. I believe so. All right, so moving on to more trade rumors. Uh, so Victor Oladipo of the NBA Pacers. Uh, so there was reports that Oladipo was actually in the NBA bubble. So this, this one of the main sources for this was uh, Michael of the Indiana Star. Uh, apparently Oladipo was playing against the Toronto Raptors and he spoke to some of the Raptors players and he mentioned, hey, I'd like to play with you guys in front of the Pacers teammates. And uh, he also said the same thing towards the Knicks. So mainly the Knicks and the Raptors. So if this is actually true, like, is do you think that this was actually heard mainly because the arena is empty and Oladipo wasn't uh, he wasn't precautious enough? And uh, what do you, what do you think Oladipo is going to do this offseason if he does decide to leave the Pacers? You know, I think that Pacers would rather keep Oladipo than moving on without him. But if I'm Victor Oladipo, if I can't get my money with the Pacers, I would be wanting to look somewhere else. And that's because if you don't get that money from the Pacers, clearly the Pacers don't value you as much as maybe they have said to you in, you know, verbally. So that level of trust might have been lost in transition from when he was recovering uh, from his injury and coming back to the course, uh, you know, for the playoff run that they had in the bubble. Oladipo, if I were him, I would I would want to join up forces with uh, a, a top four team from this previous season, either in the West or in the East. 
because I believe that he still uh, has something to prove. I mean, he's already shown that he's an all-star caliber talent, but we have yet to see him win. And because of that, and I know he, he's a winner, he wants to win, it's no surprise to me that he asked the Raptors, uh, you know, if he can play with them. Anyway, it is a surprise to me he did that that way. But to me, you know, let's just say hypothetically somehow the Raptors get Oladipo, that'd be a plus. That'd be a big plus for the Raptors because he, you would probably be getting an undervalued all-star talent uh, who would more than likely play well uh, with the Raptors' uh, treatment and their, their staff and their game plan and their coaching staff and the other players that they have around them. Um, you know, Oladipo would probably be the second best player on the team uh, next to, you know, whoever has the better season, is that Lari or Siakam. So you're saying, I think you're a little bit making assumptions here. So you're saying he'd be a good fit with the Raptors with the current squad? Because as of right now, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are still the backcourt for the Raptors. Do you think that... Yeah, but they play different roles though, right? Like they're, they're both essentially point guards, whereas so one Victor Oladipo can play... So one yeah, of but Vic- off the bench. yeah, but Victor Oladipo can either uh, play shooting guard or the small forward. So essentially, I mean, if, if Nick Nurse wants to do this, he could That's have... That's true. He plays some yeah, forward could, with the Orlando Magic. Yeah, so he could have Lowry at the one, Van Lee at the two, and Oladipo at the three, and he could have... Uh, so you're he, completely cutting off OG. He, no, he could have OG at the four, and he could have Siakam at the five, right? Like, that's a small ball lineup right there. Uh, uh, that, Marcus is out of the Raptors. He's going to Barcelona, and uh, I guess that's another Ibaka coming off the bench, I guess. Yeah, and which Ibaka, he's cool with that. I think that's a good segue into this next segment here for NBA trade rumors uh, or free agency rumors. So Fred Van Vliet, hopped on to one of our favorite fellow podcasters, uh, JJ Reddick's The Old Man in the Three podcast. And uh, he kept it real. He kept it real, man. He, when asked about his, uh, what, what he feels like he's going to do with this agency, he said, listen, man, I'm trying to get paid. I'm not shy about that. I don't have to tell people that I value winning. Just look at my story. Do your research. I've been on a losing team. I've never been on a losing team my entire life. I'm an NBA championship. And now it's time to cash out. You know, he, he's 26 and uh, he feels like this is, the iron is hot right now and he needs to get paid. So what do you think Fred Van Vliet's offers are going to be like? Is Masai going to give him the max or is he going to give him a little bit under the max and that's going to lead Fred Van Vliet to joining some other non-contender team? I'm assuming the Knicks are offering him close to the max. I'm assuming the Charlotte Hornets are offering him, and I'm assuming the Detroit Pistons. You know, it's funny that it's always the low contending teams that offer the max to average players or above average players. Yeah, so, I mean, first off, uh, good, good for Freddie on wanting to get his money. I mean, it is overdue. Um, he's, definitely, yeah, he's, he's definitely outplayed and outperformed his, his uh, previous contract. But in terms of what, what offers he's going to be getting, from the Raptors, he's not going to get the max. That's for sure. They're not. There's no way you're giving Fred VanVleet the max. Um, I would say he's maybe a guy who's potentially worth between the 15 to 20, maybe 21, 22 mil type a year 
player, I don't see him getting, no one's going to offer him any less than what he was making in his previous deal. That just doesn't make any sense. So what he's looking for is probably a minimum of 20 plus per year for maybe, you know, four or five years type thing. So to get that, I don't think that the Raptors would do that unless the Raptors are going in to fully invest in in badly becoming the the point guard for the future uh, and taking the baton from from Lowry, um, but at a cost, obviously. And they're believing that Van Vliet's going to be able to perform at a high level for the Raptors for that money so that they get good value out of his contract. If it's not with the Raptors, then it wouldn't surprise me that he goes to a team with a whole lot of uh, cap space uh, just to maximize his money. Either that's, you know, in the likes of New York or Charlotte or any of these other teams that could potentially give him the type of money that he's want uh, so that, you know, he'll be happy. But at the end of the day, like it's Fred, what matters to you? Is it just all about, you know, dollars and cents? Or do you care about where you're playing? Do you care about the fact that if they're winning or not? Do you care if they're a good organization or not? Um, you know, if it's just about the money, then join the Knicks. The, the, the Knicks have so much yeah. cap space, it's ridiculous right now. Uh, but obviously, you're going to get scrutinized. You're going to get a whole lot of media attention. And you're going to be on a bad team. You're never going to make the playoffs for at least the next three years. You know, it's, it's, it's all about what matters. Like, every contending team that's probably top four in each conference can't offer him, him, the, him the max, right? Lakers can't do it. Clippers can't do it. Nuggets can't do it. Uh, Jazz can't do it, right? It's Then it's you go to the East. Miami, they're not the type of uh, type of type of team that will just offer max to a player like Freddie. Like, no, like you'd have to be like a Jimmer, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, or better than that to get the max from Miami. Uh, Milwaukee, they're probably not going to give you that because um, you know they they would probably put him in the same level as uh, maybe Eric Bledsoe um, or a Malcolm Brogdon type. And so to me, then it's you got the Celtics. They're not going to give him that. They already got Kemba. Uh, you go to Philly, they're not going to give him that. They already have uh, Simmons. So it's just what matters. Uh, for him, I would say the best thing is to get a good deal that works for both sides with the Raptors. I mean, that's, that's just a no-brainer for me. Like That way, you know, maybe when you're in Chinatown again, you can run into the guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Jay, I think, honestly, this upcoming week is going to be one of the most exciting weeks. And... Uh especially with the NBA draft around the corner. You know, are we going to see LaMelo Ball as a first pick? Are we going to see if the Warriors are going to trade their second pick? There's a lot of questions to be asked, uh, but at this point, it's just a waiting game. And uh, we're just yeah. going to have to find out what's going to happen. But uh, I'm looking forward to next week. And uh, Jay, this is a great, great episode. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back at it and uh, we'll see what's going to happen this upcoming week. As always, you know, thank you for listening in and thank you for all those people who've uh, giving us the attention. Uh, you know, we're just two, two guys who are just trying this out. And um, as always, you know, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks.